We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. It's Sam Adams. We're constantly improving who we are, what we do, and how we brew. We may craft over 60 styles of beer, but it's Boston Lager that has captured the heart of America since 1984. With its deep amber color, caramel notes, and signature hop character, what better to have in your pint glass? Sam Adams Boston Lager. Pursue better. Boston Beer Company, Boston Mass. Save responsibly. Welcome to the Roto-Wire NFL Podcast, the pre-combine edition. I'm John McKechnie. As always, I'm joined by our resident uh, draft expert here, Mario Puig. Mario, how you doing? You getting excited for this combine to get kicked off here? Yeah, it's. Uh, we already got some height weights rolling in that are uh, not perfectly in line with what we expected of everybody, so there's, there's already some chatter to be done. But yeah, the, the workouts that we're really looking forward to start Friday can't remember if it's just the quarterbacks that day, but in any case, by Saturday, uh, we'll have all of the quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends concluded by then. Right, yeah, I think running backs uh, get us started on, on Friday. I think the linemen also do some drills on Friday right. as well. Then quarterbacks get in the mix and receivers and so on. Then and we we'll be talking later in the weekend. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be for this episode, we won't.
won't be talking about any offensive linemen or defensive players. We're just going to be focusing on uh, the, the skill position, offensive position guys who we think may be relevant in dynasty leagues and MFL 10s, uh, MFL, whatever dollar amount you, you're going to be playing in the, this year. So uh, we're going to be we're going to be looking at through that lens uh, rather than kind of like, a, you know, rather than like a horse race type thing. We're, we're going to be trying to figure out how they fit into fantasy football. Right. So without further ado, you know, we're just going to kind of run through, you know, our top fives at each position and then we're going to kind of you know take a deeper look at some of the other guys that kind of intrigue us uh for those mfls and for just dynasty purposes in general here so uh why don't we get started with uh your top five quarterbacks well for me uh i because it's a fantasy specific angle um i'm going to have number one be deshaun watson number two pat mahomes uh, because they are such good runners, Deshaun Kaiser checks in at number three for me. And while I think Kaiser's a great athlete, uh, certainly capable of running quite a bit in the NFL, uh, he's he's more of a natural pocket passer than the rest of the guys, I think, even more so than Mitch Trubisky, who comes in at number four for me. Right. Uh, all four of those guys are great athletes, but I think Mahomes and Watson are particularly skilled as runners, whereas Kaiser and Trubisky are ostensibly like traditional quarterbacks who I think are going to try to uh, specifically play as pocket passers, whereas I see more rushing potential with the first two guys. And then five for me, uh, and this is not just because of his rushing ability, uh, more so because I'm, I'm just kind of low on the rest of the class. Uh, but Gerard Evans at five for me out of Virginia Tech, great running threat also. Right, and he's got, he's had a very strong arm. You know, he had great production at, at Virginia Tech this year. I think both of us were very impressed by him, and uh, I think you're kind of leading the charge as far as the, the Jared Evans hype. So I hope that, you know, he's able to perform really well this weekend. I think for me, my top five, uh, this is more just sort of straight up ranking them. Uh, it was Kaiser, Kaiser at one, Trubisky, Watson, Mahomes, and, you know, I think there's just a chasm of a drop-off there after. Right. Um, you know, I think anyone can kind of have this mix of the first four guys in any order, and, you know, you can make arguments for slotting them in at any of those spots. And uh, I have Davis Webb, number five, and uh, I know that you – you're not a huge fan of his, and I, I wasn't really until I started watching some, some Chad Hansen film, and, you know, I thought that he put the ball in the money, uh, you know, a lot more often than I was anticipating, and he's he's got a big frame that I think that people at the Combine are going to like. He's got that prototypical yeah. size to him. Yeah, the NFL will like him more than I will, certainly, and um, he does have a big frame. He's big. He's like 6'5", 230 or something. Got a strong arm. I just happen to think he's pretty much bad at everything else. Like, to me, he's, he's basically a Sean Mannion type who will get drafted earlier than I would take him because he has the frame and just that kind of uh, quarterback look that a lot of NFL front offices are still attached to. Exactly. Like he's, he's conventional. Um, with that said, I'm kind of surprised that you have him ranked ahead of uh, two other kind of conventional quarterbacks who I think are generally uh, more highly regarded um, than, than Webb by most people, but Brad Kea from Miami and uh, – this is a more recent development, but Nathan uh, Peterman from from uh, Pittsburgh, who had a he was the standout in a basically just garbage uh, Senior Bowl yeah. group of quarterbacks. So a lot of people have them ahead of uh, Webb. I have Kea at least ahead of Webb, but uh, I don't like any of those guys really for um, be it NFL prospects or uh, fantasy. Like I, I would not 
care so much about Peterman or KF. I was in a dynasty league because I just think that even if they do get on the field, which I'm not really convinced of, right. uh, their their skill sets that, that they don't run, they're not really downfield playmakers. They're more like game manager types. So I just I just don't see the upside there worth <laughs> investing in and the risk that it entails. I think Kai is definitely uh, with it in the argument for for that to sneak into that top five range. Uh, you know, for these rankings. Uh, when, he's a guy that when he does have a little bit of time, he throws a really pretty ball you, kind of in the m- intermediate area. He doesn't throw a great deep ball by any, by any means, but he throws a nice spiral, puts a nice touch on the ball. He made some really nice throws in the red zone this year. I noticed that's sort of what stood out to me, but that was about all that stood out to me, and he definitely doesn't really uh, – or he's unable to really do anything if you get any pressure in his face. And then for he's skinny too. Yeah, that's he's, true. Get the uh, Jared Goff fear that he's just uh, good as he is as a passer. Generally, it's like he might not have the the anchor strength, whatever torque ability to mm-hmm. to generate the velocity that he needs to in the short spaces that he needs to in an NFL pocket. Exactly. And then as for Peterman, I'm kind of I'm agree in agreement with you where it was the senior bowl and it was just like a really awful crop uh as far as pro prospects are concerned so you know it is like being the tallest building in Topeka Kansas or something there's really just like you know yes he was the best there but that does how much does that totally know what Topeka Kansas looks like (laughs) yeah just tons of skyscrapers I know more about their architecture than anywhere else actually But yeah, I mean, he's just a, nothing really wows me about him. Like he's definitely solid, uh, in, you know, in most facets of the game. He's not. It, you don't worry that like he's way too small to see over the line or anything like that. So I think he, you know, he's just a solid career backup, and like that's okay. We don't need to like right. prop him up as like some sort of you know amazing sleeper here. You know, sometimes those just don't exist in a given class, and I don't think it necessarily does here, especially beyond the top four. Uh, although Evans is intrig- offers more intrigue than guys like Kaya or uh, or Peterman. Right. I think it also is worth mentioning uh, these two guys. I don't even expect to uh, stick at quarterback in the NFL, but since they're listed there right now. Um, I guess we should mention that Josh Dobbs and Seth Russell, I think, both have the size and athleticism to transition to receiver in the NFL, and I think mm-hmm. they'll have to. Dobbs might get a look at running back because he's just he's he's bigger right. than uh, he's, he's he's got more density than than Russell, who's uh, also proven a bit injury prone as as a running quarterback. But he's uh, probably going to be like six two. I'm, I'm my spectacular office internet won't work right now but if i could access this player page i could okay here we go he's listed at 6320 at baylor's site my combine uh page however is not loading but you know 62220 whatever he actually is um that frame at receiver for seth russell is makes him interesting because yeah. baylor cited the following workout numbers for him in uh whatever their spring training or whatever uh 449 40 yard dash so let's think like 455 um more interestingly about a 42-inch uh, vertical jump and a Jeez. broad jump of 124 inches. So um, that 40-yard dash they gave him is 0.03 seconds worse than Katie Cannon's and uh, 0.02 worse than Ishmael Zamora's. So it seems like Russell really could be uh, an NFL-caliber athlete at receiver, at least if Cannon is. Um, so that's kind of interesting. I don't know how to approach that in a dynasty scenario, but it's something to think about, I guess, if you're in a deep league and you're getting to the end and like the receivers that are left, you're not you're not really interested in because Russell could do, um, you know, 
the odds of him be doing like a Julian Edelman thing are basically you know zero. But it's something t- interesting to think about because he probably can't play quarterback and he's got the athleticism to play uh, receiver and basically the same stuff with Dobbs. Although in his case, I don't have any workout numbers to, to point toward as, right. as far as projecting his skill set there. Um, but if we go back to the top of the quarterbacks a little bit. It's kind of interesting uh, that we get, we got these uh, from SportsInsights.com, these prop bets for, for some workouts regarding a couple of the quarterbacks at least. Uh, this is interesting that uh, Deshaun Watson's over-under for 40-yard dash is 4-6 flat, which is uh, only .03 seconds better than Kaiser, who's at 4.63. Um, I can I can see Watson doing better than four six. I'd be pretty surprised if Kaiser got to four six three. I mean, he's a great athlete at quarterback, um, but I, I kind of expect him to be more like a four seven guy, if only because he's 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 got he's got to have like uh, thirty pounds on Watson or something like right, that. Right? Yeah, he's yeah he's noticeably bigger. He, he's more of a. I mean, I wouldn't say that he's he he's a lumberer in you know in the strict sense but like compared to a guy like Watson you'd you'd imagine that Watson definitely burns him in the 40 but yeah that's uh so that's interesting framing for their potential uh, athletic profile coming up and as far as as far as where I'd put them in like a dynasty draft uh, I'm I'm not really prone to investing in quarterbacks, so so I myself probably wouldn't really approach these guys unless it was I don't know like fourth rounder later. Uh, it's worth mentioning that in this uh, dynasty rookie mock draft that that I, I did with eleven other people, including you, John, was uh, we we had Russell Clay taking uh, Watson first among quarterbacks, I believe. At uh, let's see. Looks like it was the first pick of the second round. Russell expressed some regret at that pick, so maybe Watson goes like middle of the second if we do this again. Yeah. But uh, so that's that's where the market was in, in that particular league, and then it was followed by uh, let's see, Kaiser went. Uh, oh wait, Kaiser was not drafted actually. Correct. Trubisky uh, went some. Did he? Trubisky go I think he went third. Second. Yeah, I think he went second among quarterbacks, but not until. Uh, like the sixth pick of a third round. Correct. So yeah, uh, Mitch Trubisky was the second one picked after after Watson, and then the third actually was uh, Mahomes, which makes sense uh, at the uh, seventh pick of the third round. Trubisky going sixth. Um, I, I expect them. I expect them to. Pro- I expect the market to probably switch that around between Trubisky and Mahomes, just because Mahomes is such an electric athlete at quarterback. Right. Um, but yeah, I do. Ex- I expect the quarterbacks to, in real life, be drafted in the order of Kaiser, Trubisky, Watson, Mahomes. Uh, I, I just think that Kaiser, in his his natural inclination and ability to pass from the pocket, plus his his youth and his, his standout athleticism, like if he runs around four six three, I don't know how you. I feel like with his frame and his his natural pocket passing ability, that kind of athleticism thrown in makes him a really strong prospect. Um, and Trubisky just has uh, he has he has very good athleticism too. He was actually a right. great he was runner. A, he was the number one dual threat quarterback in his class, actually. I'm oh wow, sure. I didn't know that. So yeah, that, that's pretty interesting. All those guys have enough upside if they turn out to be good. But it's like I'd, I'd rather I think I'm better at guessing which running backs and receivers will be good. Basically, so I, I probably won't draft quarterbacks high in dynasty markets. But it looks like that's the general order they'll be going in. Yeah, I, th- I think we're in agreement there. Um, so, why do you think that that like the you know this is more of an, in like the dr- general draft stock sense? Why do you think it's gone kind of from Watson being the prohibitive number one kind of coming into the year? Maybe Kaiser getting getting some buzz to after that, especially after that Texas game, he looked really good. Um, but why do you think Watson has sort of fallen? It, it seems like it's a Kaiser Trubisky duo, and then you know Watson and Mahomes. I think. 
in some people's minds can be flipped or, you know, or Watson maybe drops even to the second day. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen, but it's it can't be ruled out because th- the issue with Watson basically is he is not uh, he's not a conventional fit for like the old guard of right. NFL f- scouts and front offices and coaches. So he has fewer potential suitors, I think, than Kaiser and Trubisky, who can I think fit both with the new and old guard. Like they're they're big framed, uh, you know, stand tall in the pocket quarterbacks who. You know, they can run great, and that makes them a fit for potentially, you know, newer, innovative offenses. But the old guard is also in, in, that, in the market for them, so I think they just have more suitors. I think that pushes them to the top. And Watson, he, he basically has that, as a result of his small frame, there's a chance that he gets Teddy Bridgewater throughout this draft process, where mm-hmm. there's just a, a huge divide between the public opinion and the NFL opinion, where they, they you know, the fans want are clamoring for him to get picked as high as, you know, fifth to 10th overall he might fall to like 20 or something like that especially because of Mahomes being there if Mahomes who has a bigger frame by the way he's like 230 6'3 he's like closer to Donovan McNabb than Teddy Bridgewater uh, as far as builds go so that is interesting because that that's a variable that could actually like you like you were saying get him ahead of Watson because again there are going to be there are more potential suitors for a quarterback with the frame of Mahomes is generally it might be held against him that he's such a good runner and played at Texas Tech though so I think that might be a wash sure and we'll people, see people always knock the system of course yeah so it's it's I have no idea how it's going to go I don't think the NFL really does either I I do I do expect uh, Kaiser and and uh, Trubisky to take that top two pretty safely but what happens between Watson and Mahomes is is more of a toss up than I think most are, are figuring right now yeah it seems like Mahomes like the Mahomes uh, bandwagon is really starting to heat up you know yeah. I think it, as more people have seen more, more of him and they realize that you know he's not just Graham Harrell or oh or, right know, yeah. something like that you know where people kind of have this perception in their mind of a Texas Tech quarterback and he's you know he is rare high, high recruit a lot of athletic pedigree like his dad yeah, was exactly. a, was like a pitcher a majors pitcher. Um, so yeah, he's, he's great runner and that, that, uh, he only has 2.2 yards per carry last year, but it's more important to look at like the touchdowns, which is 10 plus, uh, he, he could run a lot. He, he would get a lot more rushing production if it a wasn't for taking sacks and in a Texas tech offense that throws the ball 50 times a game. Um, and with, B, and if, if there were with no O-line prospects for the NFL. Either. Right. And he, he had the other thing that people don't really mention is he had bad receivers at Texas Tech. Yes. Like his best his best one over the last two years is Jakeem Grant, who's a five, know, six. He's like five, six. Yeah. And he's he's a he's just Craig East kind of player in the NFL. He's just a he's just a return guy. Um, the rest of them are really basically just scrubs. And yet he threw 41 touchdowns last year to 10 interceptions. So it'll be interesting to see how he does at the combine, because if he does you know, Watson type athleticism in his testing at, at, you know, 20 pounds heavier. And then he has all that film of him making, making those strong arm throws that he has. That's, that's something that could, could really put Watson's uh, stock in a flux. And it, it, it's some, it's a scenario that I'm thinking about specifically that uh, the Browns take miles gear at one, then at 12, they don't take Watson. They take whatever, like Malik hooker, some other defensive player, whatever they're looking at. They could, they have the first pick in the second round, they could trade up again from the first pick in the second round to point. get whoever's left between Watson and Mahomes. So, like things like that are, are interesting for me to think about, and I, I think it actually makes some amount of sense. Wow, yeah, that does make a ton of sense. Actually, that's really interesting you bring that up. But yeah, so that's I guess that kind of 
exhausts our, our I guess I'll say one quick thing about Gerard Evans who he he could go I can imagine him going anywhere as high as the, like the late second round if he kills it at the combine and I do expect him to at the very least kill his athletic testing he should be like 6'3 235 uh basically he should be like Brett Hundley athletically okay. the NFL was sour on Brett Hundley as a quarterback prospect he ended up falling to the fifth round of his draft I think that was a mistake especially given like you know Sean Mannion going in the third yeah uh, I don't Brock I don't understand Osweiler existing yeah that's just that's stupid that's just, that just shows you like that's how many like old guard people are in the NFL where they're just they're just scared of an athlete at quarterback for for you know no justifiable reason like there's no way Hundley's worse than Osweiler no. um Oh wait, no, that was probably a couple of years before that, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, that that was a okay, yeah, but yeah, but definitely, still. I definitely remember Mannion going ahead of him, and I was just, I was just like, had a, I threw a fit. <laughs> um, but yeah, if, if if Evans shows great rushing upside, and I think he'll at the very least show good accuracy in his testing. Like on film, he showed good downfield accuracy, a good knack for it. The only real question is about his reads because he was he's playing in a Memphis offense that uh, Memphis style offense at Virginia Tech that had a lot of uh, fixed reads, but I don't know that there are any quarterbacks in this draft that you wouldn't say the same thing for. Exactly. So, like, I don't understand how it's held against him so definitively like that when it's basically a non-applicable grade for everybody involved, but we'll see. Um, but if he if he shows accuracy and and athletic upside at his size at the combine, I can imagine him going in the second. But if he somehow flops in this setting, he could easily doom himself to the third day, like late third day. Right. Yeah, I guess we might as well move on to running back now. And we already had the some of the weigh-ins and, and measurements in general occurring at running back today. One that's surprising, I guess we might as well lead off with this since he's uh, at the very least considered the second running back in the rankings for, for many. And, and for most people, he's in the mainstream uh, press anyway. It seems like he's the number one running back. Leonard Fournette, he actually met, uh, weighed in at 240 pounds today. It's only five pounds more than his listed weight, but 240 kind of just has a different sound and look uh, aesthetically than right. at least when you when you try to when you just say it it seems like oh now you're talking like a fullback almost exactly and you know uh Rappaport you know tweeted out that it, you know one of the execs there said he, he you know he doesn't look like he's 240 like he carries it well and, and right, that yeah. I, that I completely believe but that that is surprising because you know there were reports you know about a month ago from when he was training down in Florida about about him being trimmed down and you know running these four threes you know in, in these in these workouts hmm. and you know we don't know the the exact validity of that because it was his dad telling people that so you know take that with a grain of salt but that that was surprising to see him check in at, at 240 so uh how does that change your expectations of of where he's going to run that 40 i don't think it really changes much for me it, i mean he would run at least you know marginally faster at whatever lighter weight it's just how you know physics work but he i think still will run quite fast i mean he's a freak athlete there's yes. no doubt about it and it's for what it's worth again sports insights their prop bet on his 40 time the over under is 443 so that's exactly where i don't right. want to take a side <laughs> and so I, i'm not going to but i would be shocked if he fell into the four five range like i as great of an athlete as as derrick henry was last year he ran a four five four um did it at almost 10 more pounds right um and Fournette's just i like henry more than most people but i still think Fournette is clearly a step above him so right. I, I think Fournette will kill it whatever way it goes like he's he's a blue chip prospect for a reason uh, but it is interesting that he that he didn't specifically try to lose you know like or, or just you know lighten himself a little bit just for the sake of putting up that 40 time which is what everybody fixates on exactly so uh with that said i do have dalvin cook ranked number one and he weighed in at 210 um i guess that might 
creep some people out. I don't really care. I don't. Um, I don't. I don't think like weight is so important in a running back as as much as like the um, relative profile of of density to athleticism and i still think he's gonna just murder all the athletic testing so uh, i'm not worried about cook unless he disappoints his his over under on the 40 is four four flat i kind of want to take uh better than that if i'm if i'm taking a side i'm not going to put any money on either one of those because it's it's just it's too hard no way to know uh it's 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 a raffle basically so uh but yeah four four for cook and he's number one for me over leonard fournette Basically because he has a more diverse skill set, I think, that lends itself better to um, not, not, only, uh, not only like more general effectiveness in the NFL, but also like more snaps. Like for Nett, uh, he generally ran, he, he did his best work and generally ran behind a fullback. And we see what's happened now with, with Adrian Peterson. You know, right, yeah. And that's, ahead. yeah, I'm trying to use my internet that doesn't work right now to pull up this thing uh, that, that, uh, Oh, here we go. Uh, Graham Barfield, who uh, with the fantasy guru, I think, and he he has this this stat: eighty six percent of Fournette's runs at LSU last year with a quarterback under center. Um, that's that's basically like the college football equivalent of those quotes or those uh, those stats about Peterson and his formations right. in the NFL. So I I I mean late career Fournette. Is, is one matter early career I, I'm not worried about it he's going to be athletic enough he's going to be fresh enough that, that he won't be he, he won't be like a true disappointment I think it's just more like people might not quite realize how good Cook can be exactly. because he's he's more diverse he's more diverse skilled uh, more more able to thrive without a fullback more likely to thrive in a shotgun formation or, or pistol whatever um, but he, he's also great behind uh, when, when the quarterback's under center, too. So it's just more ways for him to get on the field. It's like you can imagine Fournette getting pulled in the two-minute drill, whereas Cook, I'm not really worried about that. Um, I think, if anything, he'll, he'll you know be, be a fixture in the two-minute drill because of the incredible explosiveness he provides. So um, I like Cook better for that reason and also because he's a better pass catcher. So he, he, he won't leave the field uh, durability permitting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you, you watched him at Florida State and, and – you know, he was able, he was, he was able to get up to that full head of steam out of, you know, taking a, sh- a run from the shotgun. And, you know, by the time he hits the line of scrimmage, he's already up to full speed. So yeah. like you, like you said, you just don't worry about taking him off the field unless you want to give him a breather after he rips off a 50 yard run or something. But yeah, I mean, any, pretty much wherever he lands, he, he could arguably be the biggest home run hitter in whatever offense he lands in just right away. Yeah. And I, I, I realized I'm, I'm sounding a bit hyperbolic and, and hysterical when I say this, but going into this combine for me, the comparison for Cook is Clinton Portis. I leave the door open for his his prospect grade to be as high as someone like Tomlinson, though, if he crushes it in, in the workouts, because the production is is just you know sh- shrieking. I don't yeah. know what other word to use. <laughs> like his his film and production at Florida State is just nuts. Um, he did it on like, he, like in tw- in 2015. He, he you know kind of was doing it on a bum hamstring, and then right. you know, lat- before heading into his final season, I believe he had a shoulder uh, operation. Yeah, so. I thought I read this article from Dane Brugler saying he has had up to three sh- shoulder surgeries. So that's that's something that could yeah. hurt his stock a bit. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to let it adjust my prospect grade of him though, because it's just 
you know, we don't we don't know like all the the medical specifics of any of exactly. these guys unless somebody leaks it out of the combine, and so um, it, it can't p- penalize someone too much and, and things like that. But uh, we'll see. I mean, if, if if he drops in the draft to the second round, then it's time to change things because that shows like the NFL is is actually prepared to like um, not invest in him to the point that he would get. Uh, the playing time and job security that we're presupposing uh, before drafting him in a, in a dynasty setting, like we were talking about. Um, so that's that's interesting. And if if he if he falls, that's how it happens. Like I, I'm not, yeah. I don't think he's going to disappoint in the athletic testing one bit. Nope. Um, but yeah, so that's if if Fournette goes ahead of him, that's that's probably how, in my opinion. Although, for all I know, the NFL in general just ho- holds Fournette in a higher esteem because he's 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 a more throwback kind of player. Right. Cook. At two ten is not the prototype feature back, and and it's it's understandable that in, in an NFL where the running back position is so devalued, you might not be able to convince yourself to use a top twenty pick on a guy who you're not totally sure can take as an Ezekiel Elliott type workload. Mm. So we'll see on that. Um, but yeah, that's that's I'm expecting I guess something better than four four flat for Cook, something right around four four flat to four four five for for uh, for Net and. Whereas uh, Portis is is my comparison for Cook, I think Larry Johnson is a safe one for Leonard Fournette. So like we're talking one. we're talking elite running backs, yeah. no matter what. Yeah. Um, who, who's at number three for you? Uh, right now, I have Joe Mixon, and you know this is you know not well for talent. That's pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that that's pretty much you know you could argue he's the best in terms of talent. So yeah, yeah I mean, really, some of those you know some of those plays. I mean, his, his last two seasons at Oklahoma is only two seasons. You know, mind boggling. I think you know. Any of the any of these three guys, a case could be made, uh, you know, talent wise in in a sense. But and he, he's so good out of the backfield as a pass catcher too, and he's just, I mean, he's so shifty and quick. Um, so I love Joe Mixon as a, as a you know a player uh, in that respect. But you know, obviously, his off the field stuff complicates where he's going to fall in the draft and where you know or you know, and that's going to complicate his path to getting onto the field in in all likelihood. Uh, I also like Deontay Foreman out of Texas. Uh, I would like to hear. You know, uh, you you wrote up a pre combine article, and I'd like you to kind of repeat your concerns about him because I thought they were really interesting re- regarding how he's viewed as right. a power back. But in reality, like when you actually watch his tape, he's more of a speed guy. Right, and th- this isn't um, it doesn't need to be a concern pending his workout results. Like if he if he puts uh, the workout metrics out there that that are sufficient I, I don't have a concern but uh worth mentioning he he was one of the weigh-ins that already happened uh he was listed around like 250 at texas right, and i think he, he was 249 yeah and he I'm, kind of looked like it but for what it's worth he was weighing in at 233 today at six feet so 233 um at like 240 245 pounds i would have said he needs to do at least like a 452 in the 40 at 233 i think he needs to do four or five flat or else that hurts his projection a little bit and it's because um you want you want a player's uh you know aesthetic and and uh skill set to translate to the nfl by having the amount of athleticism and, and size that it takes for that for that playing style to transfer so in other words he might be, you know, one of the fastest running backs on the field in college, and so he can play as a speed back, um, which is generally what he does. Like, you, if you compare him to someone like Fournette, there's just a lot more, uh, you know, brute 
violence in, in Fournette's running <laughs> yeah. style. Like Foreman's a big guy who's definitely physically strong, but he doesn't just blast through contact the way Fournette does. True. So you can't really project the same level of like broken tackles, I don't think. So you need the the speed and the the athleticism generally to be accounted for, or else his playing style might not work in the NFL. Um, he could, you know, he could adjust it if if necessary. He could he could maybe you know develop a little more of a killer instinct, learn to to use his anchor strength better as a runner, um, and adjust just fine because he has the physical ability to do that. Like sure. the strength is there. It's more like just how he how he plays. That's the question for me. So if he does a four or five flat or better. I'm not concerned, but I, I do think he has more to lose than a lot of running backs because if he doesn't hit that threshold, I think that could push him to like the late fourth round or something yeah, like that. It's a pretty um, precipitous fall, you know, because some people are projecting him to go, you know, like high second round. Yes, yeah, so like so. McShay was projecting him in the first a while ago. I would imagine he's backed off yeah, that I since hope then. So. Yeah, but uh, he's not going to go in the first. I don't think he's going to go in the second. Um, I th- I think the third is where he goes, but like if he runs like a four five five, I I lose confidence in that sure. projection. That makes sense. Um, that was really interesting, um, and that, that was one of my favorite parts of that article. And then uh, I like Alvin Kamara as my as my number five. He's a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. And he, he what you also have to like about him, and what in a, in a weird way I kind of like about Fournette too, is that like there's not like a there, there's still plenty of tread on the tires. Like Fournette got overused his sophomore year the year that he you know absolutely blew up on the scene but you know this past year it was almost like his ankle injury was like a bit of a blessing in disguise because you were worried that he was gonna you know kind of come into the draft with back-to-back 300 plus carry seasons and then then people might be a little bit more skeptical but you know that ankle injury kept him out a few games and limited his carries and so on uh and with Kamara it's not like he really took over being the featured back at Tennessee until Jalen Hurd was just like well yeah, actually, he's better, so yeah. I'm, I'm just going to leave. So that, it'll be interesting to see how many people hold that against him. It's It, it would be foolish, in my opinion, to hold it against him. Yeah, There's, you it's, you it's, watch what happened when he took over, and it's right. unbelievable. And it's, it's fair to question whether he can hold up under a bigger workload, but what you can't uh, hypothesize, in my opinion, is that he was ever actually less effective than her. Like, that's exactly. not why he was playing off the bench. Like, he's playing off the, off the bench uh, – most generous reading is for for Tennessee's coaches is that they were trying to preserve him from later. Um, seems like they just were misusing him as far as I can tell, because whatever his durability level might be, like he should have gotten the ball more than he did exactly. while Hurd was there. So uh, for what it's worth, I, I've got Cook and, and Fournette at one and two locked into the first round in both cases. Uh, for number three, I've got McCaffrey, who he he also has quite a bit to lose I think in the combine it's just that um what he stands to lose is the question of like first round or mid to late second Mm -hmm. you know with four minutes more like second round or late fourth um McCaffrey has a lot to lose but I think that the fact that he's such a truly rare pass catcher and route runner that and, and returner I guess that it it's it's not like his floor is as low as as Foreman's. It's it's more a question of his ceiling that we're talking about. He checked in at five foot eleven, two hundred and two pounds, which is exactly like where you don't really care that much. And okay. I would have preferred to see him at like two oh five or higher, but with the way he projects to the NFL, it's like he doesn't need to be two hundred and twenty pounds. Like yeah, it'd be a waste. Be running he's not going to play that way. Yeah. So it's like the way he's going to be used as like a twelve carry, five catch kind of guy. 202 is fine if he tests well enough. So that that's the next step for him is at 202. I, I, I think 
I think the worst I'd want to see in the 40 from him is like a, a 4 5 2. I'd, you'd ideally see something like a 4 4 5. I don't quite think that's going to happen, but a 4 5 flat would be great. So you think he, do you think he ends up running like under 4 5? I don't think so. I, I, w- I would put him right at like 4 5, 4 5 2, and he'll probably do very well with the, uh, the agility drills. Should do fine in the jumps. Um, either way, it's 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 again his skill set that's that's more emphasized in his prospect profile than his athleticism. So, sure. um, but if he wants to get into the first round, he needs to demonstrate above average athleticism. Like that's 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 just a true statement, I think. And so, if he if he runs like a four five five, that sours his stock quite a bit. It changes oh, yeah. him from like a maybe thirty second pick to like maybe sixtieth or something like that. But I, I do like him quite a bit as a dynasty asset, and even without knowing his workout numbers, I'm putting him at three right now because I think his pass-catching ability and, and the probability of him getting drafted fairly high dictates that he sees the field, and I think he's good. So I think if he sees the field, he'll do well from there. Um, number four at running back for me is uh, Samaj Pirine. Uh, he's, he's got, his stock has soured a bit in the past year, largely because of Joe Mixon's ascendance. Right. And um, also he's had some durability issues the last two years. But I think people are just straight up underestimating him. I think he's extremely talented, and it's like if his health variable weren't a question, I don't really see the argument against him as a top 40 pick. I loved your comp for him. Oh, Michael Turner. Yeah, I think, I think it makes a lot of sense. Turner was actually probably faster than him, but I think... Turner the burner. Yeah, it was it was no exaggeration. He was he was he was really great. But both of them have like the giant giant legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leg drive is just unbelievable. Yeah, like Pirine has looked like a minimum thirty years old since he was probably like fifteen yeah, or something. Since, since his rivals page got made. Yeah, his rivals page is like, oh, that must be his dad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, no, it's him. Um, and he, yeah, he was he was utterly dominant as a true freshman at, at uh, Oklahoma. That was when set he set the record. It was against Kansas, but that was when he set the single-game rushing yardage record, and he had a brilliant season in general. I think it can be true that both him and Mixon are both you know, first-round talents, basically. Mixon falls, I think, to the fourth or fifth, um, just because there's – I mean, there is a real chance. Like, teams – Teams might have their theories about how he'll behave in the NFL, uh, you know, how much bad PR they're willing to withstand. Exactly. But they don't really know what they're getting into. No one can know because we don't know what kind of, you know, activist pressure could build against advertisers, team sponsors, whatever. Like, you could have protests in your stadium parking lots, stuff like that. We just don't know how the public is going to handle this True. because unlike cases like Frank Clark and Tyree Kill, there's that video. Mm-hmm. And that video is not going to go away. And it's... it's um. I, I don't know, like, me personally, it's like, I think that he, yeah, deserves a second chance at, at football. If, if I, 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 I mean, it was obviously horrible what he did, but it's, it's, unless you think like he deserves to have his entire life ruined as a result of it, which I don't, it's like, I, I think you, you have to let him try to earn a job in the NFL. It's just the question is like, can the NFL give it to, is the NFL's, uh, finance you know situation with him viable is it is it going to be more costly than profitable to have him on a team so Mm -hmm. i think he'll get drafted in the fourth or fifth though and if he does and if he doesn't screw up further in his life and he he actually you know the team that drafts him doesn't have some kind of excruciating pressure from the public or their advertisers as a result of acquiring him he would play in that case yes and he would more than likely do very well like the the prospect profile I gave him, not taking into account his character, would be Amon Green. Just that he's great pass catcher, huge big play threat, workhorse frame. It's all there. Um, but because of his, because of the not knowing exactly how 
his employability might fare. Uh, I've got him down at eight for dynasty purposes behind P. Ryan, who's at four. I got Kamara at five. Uh, Kareem Hunt at six. This is weird with him. He weighed in at 218 today, I think, after being listed at 220 at Toledo and arriving at the Senior Bowl at 208. Hmm. So it'll be interesting to see if he. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to guess what weight he played at at Toledo. On on tape at Toledo, he looks very athletic, at least burst wise. You know, balance, uh, general short area explosiveness. Yep. It's probably not better than like a four five five forty, but like that short area stuff. So like the broad jump, uh, the agility drills should be very good. But then you wonder if he's at two eighteen now. Was he was he two eighteen when he was showing that on film athleticism, or is there a risk of him being more sluggish than expected as a result of you know just packing on ten pounds in a month or whatever? So that'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm going to be watching that closely because if he if he does look sluggish at that weight, and number seven guy for me, Jeremy McNichols doesn't. That might be cause to flip them, maybe move Kareem Hunt behind Mixon too. Um, but yeah, so I got McNichols at seven, great pass catcher. He's probably only like a four five five, four six long speed guy, but uh he's the, five nine? Yeah, he's pretty dense. He's like five nine, two fifteen, something like that. But and you can't the, argue with his production though. Yeah, and and the thing is it's like even if he's only like a four point oh yards per carry guy in the NFL, he's gonna get work as a pass catcher to the point that his floor is simply high. He's exactly. got a high floor. Uh, there's there's no way in my mind that he's a worse prospect than a, than a player like Gio Bernard or something like that. Like okay. he's he might have a Gio Bernard James White kind of role in the NFL, but he will at least have that. And I yeah. think there's room for more. I think he's more he's closer to like a Devonte Freeman than than a than a James White, even if even if he doesn't run that great forty because his production is just so utterly convincing at Boise State. Um, but yeah, so mixing at eight for me and then, then things get weird. Uh, what, what do you got Elijah hood out of, or in your general, I know you, you only got a top five there, but like, do you, do you have a general opinion of him? Because I feel like he's overlooked going into the combine. I think that I've might, I've might've fallen off a little bit. Um, I, I like, uh, Jamal Williams probably a little bit more than, oh, really? than I like okay. a, a hood. Um, Jamal Williams' mom owned me on Twitter. That was, <laughs> she, that was she, awesome. she put me in a chokehold. <laughs> um, yeah, like uh, like a month or two ago, so uh, I assumed like because this happens on Twitter, like crazy random people will show up in your mentions, yep. just just saying insane things that make no sense. All of a sudden, one day I'm talking, like you know, minding my own business in a conversation with a couple people, and someone was like, "Oh, you know, Jamal Williams came up." And I was like, well, he definitely had good production. I'm a little concerned about his age, though. Because he's BYU. Like, people come out of there and they're, you know, 24. He's not only that, but he he enrolled there in, like, 2012. Yeah. Like, he took a year off. Um, and anyway, so I was like, yeah, he's got to be, like, 23 or something. And then this this rando account, like, BYU Mama something something, <laughs> just shows up and is like, he's not 24. He's 21 or something. And I was like, no, he isn't. Yeah, right. I was like, unless he, unless he was, well, you know, like 17 when he enrolled there, he isn't. And she was like, well, yeah, he was. And I was like, okay, uh, whoops, I guess he <laughs> was. Seven. He was like 17 as a, as a true freshman, so I don't know how that works. Um, but anyway, yeah. that was the case. Uh, he, was, he, he showed pass-catching ability early in his career at BYU, and then after the hiatus, came back this year to be more of like a between-the-tackles grinder type. Like, he didn't catch passes this year, but he can do it. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what to expect of his athletic testing. A- a- aesthetically, he reminds me of Kevin Smith, who was like a second- or third-round pick of the Lions like 10 years ago, and generally showed a pretty good talent level before injuries derailed his career. Well, I was but, at that game when he when he kind of... Yeah, that, that was one of the time. worst. That wasn't good. Yeah, so but but he he was like a, you know, second to fourth round kind of talent at the time in any case and and I think Williams 
can make that sort of case for himself depending on how he tests. And then with Hood, I think it's all medicals because I he doesn't have a lot of speed, uh, straight line speed. But I think for his size, he's he's got a lot of ability to uh, convert anchor strength into short area burst, including you know lateral agility. It's not like he's straight lineish or anything. Um, showed the ability to catch passes. Didn't do much with them last year, but he caught the passes that went to him. Yeah, so, last year was just a wonky season. I thought. I thought you know if you really want a better impression of of Hood, look probably closer at his twenty fifteen. Definitely, and he he was a blue chip recruit who uh, basically just his his freshman year was derailed by injuries. It was useless data because he ended up with like a three point seven yard per carry, but he was he shouldn't have been playing. Mm-hmm. Um, this year it was like when he shouldn't have been playing, he didn't. So he he had not as good of numbers as 2015, but better than his freshman year. And like you're saying, his, his second year, his sophomore year of 2015, he, he was very productive, um, quite explosive. Larry Fedora should have given him more carries. Um, but yeah, so Hood, it's weird for me to see a blue chip guy like him who was so convincing when healthy basically be regarded as like a seventh round pick or something. Yeah. So the medicals will matter for him. And uh, otherwise, the athletic testing will certainly matter. Um, but I do have him ahead of Foreman for now, just because I've, I feel like Hood's pedigree gives me less reason to worry about his athleticism variable. But that is a very fluid ranking situation for me. And so is uh, 11 for me, James Conner. I, I, I can very easily imagine a scenario where he's in my top eight after this weekend because uh, he came in at like 6, uh, 1 or 2 and 2.30, I think, today. Um, he was like 255 his first year at Pittsburgh because he was going to play linebacker. linebacker. Uh, now it's there's the possibility that he has that he shows the athletic profile similar to someone like Levy and Bell or something like that. In which case, if he does, the pros, uh, the production variable with him is already great. I don't see any reason why he can't make a case as a day two prospect if he does well uh, with his combine testing. But I have I have no insight as to how he might do. So there, there's there, that's all just a toss up. Yeah, that's interesting you bring that up though because Le'Veon Bell did not have a particularly impressive combine. I don't. Well, well I don't he remember. he everything but his forty basically. He had like a four six forty, and everything else was kind of in hindsight great, like especially the agility drills. Okay. Which now we we watch him and we're sure. like, oh, why didn't I notice that? <laughs> um, but yeah, he was he was regarded as like a fourth round pick by most people, and then after the combine, it was like, hey, well maybe third round, and then he went ahead of Eddie Lacy and. Uh, Monty, he was was he the first running back picked in that draft? I can't remember. Um, anyway, he went ahead of like Lacey and, and was like, "Wow, no, not many people expected him to go that high." And then turns out it's like, well, having a four six forty doesn't matter if you're two hundred and thirty pounds and also have, if and also uh, pass you know these thresholds for agility testing and broad jump and things like that. So right. Connor, the door is open for Connor. I'm not like expecting him to do particularly well in if in the athletic testing, but if he does, it's time to reevaluate things. Um, otherwise, I guess most people are looking forward to the likes of, like you said, Jamal Williams. Um, a lot of people are going to be looking forward to Marlon Mack, who appears quite explosive on tape. I'm not convinced he has much of a skill set. The South Florida offense he played in made made things very easy. He, he just kind of like went out of a cannon on every play. Right. Um, yeah, I was watching him earlier today too, and like he can he can catch like, but at the same time, I never saw him catch the ball out of the backfield. They'd split him out wide. And and then they just basically just throw him a bubble screen and let him let him okay. go create. Yeah, um, that's so better than nothing. But yeah, sure. it's still a, yeah. He's got he's got things to prove. Uh, like if he if he has a disappointing athletic testing in the combine, like he's just a day three guy to me. And yeah. as it is right now, I kind of have him in like the fourth to fifth round. And I'm I'm leaving open the possibility for guys like Aaron Jones out of UTEP, uh, even like Elijah McGuire out of Lafayette, Corey Clement. Uh, guys like that, I, I'm leaving the door open for them to push ahead of Mac if if they basically test as well as he does, because um, I think I think their their tape production is just as good as his. 
That's true. And then uh, I want to know your opinion on Donnell Pumphrey because obviously his production in college was unbelievable, but you right. know, I think he weighed in in the, like the 170s today or something. Yeah, uh, he was under 170 at the Senior Bowl, I know. Um, so I, I have I have no real hopes for him. And my, my pre-combine <sighs> dynasty rankings, I put him at 22 behind Octavius Mathers, who wasn't invited to the combine but should have been. Um, but, yeah, Pumphrey – because he's sub 170 or right at 170, whatever, he would basically have to be the first ever uh, as far as, like, real sustained success in the NFL, at least in the modern NFL. And maybe in, like, the 40s they had 160-pound running backs or something. <laughs> um, but these days, the best-case scenario is basically, like, Dexter McCluster. Uh, people want to say Darren Sproles, but Darren Sproles was about 190 coming out of Kansas State. Right. So it doesn't apply. He's more like a Garrett Wolf, Dexter McCluster type. So I'm not hopeful. Um, I do think he'll stick around the league, like at least as like a practice squad guy. And, you know, some team is going to try to groom him as a kick and punt returner to kind of just justify having him around. But as a traditional running back, he can't do anything. And I think even in like hurry up situations, I'm not I'm a, I'm a little bit pessimistic because yeah. hurry up. It's like I'd rather have I'd rather have Stanley Williams out of Kentucky. I'd rather have even a guy who's not explosive, but shows the ability to who knows how to run and is a great catcher. Uh, that that Matt Days from North Carolina State, Tavius Mathers, as I said, like he he was one of the most productive pass catching running backs this year. I just don't even see how for the specific role Pumphrey's supposed to specialize in, how he stands out in that regard. I just don't see it. But I'm hoping for him yeah. to do well. Right. I mean, it's like yeah, I mean it'd be great if he could blaze that trail. But it, yeah, I mean, like you said, it just like logistically, it just it doesn't work that way at, at the next level. Right. He'd have to be a true trendsetter, which it's just like if if we're if we're trying to you know make informed bets on on odds, it's like gotta stay away from him as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. But yeah, I guess that kind of exhausts the running backs. What's your top five at receiver, John? All right. So starting us off, I got Mike Williams. Uh, followed by John Ross out of Washington, uh, Corey Davis, Carlos Henderson, and then uh, Sheldon Gibson. Nice. I got I got something similar. It's unfortunate Corey Davis won't be able to run at the combine. Was it like an ankle surgery? Or yeah, he had surgery? ankle surgery in January. He should be good for his pro day, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. So for me, Corey Davis is number one. I just I think his tape production are just awesome, and I think his tape showed not just a skill set, but like reason to believe he will do well in athletic testing when yes. he eventually does it. Um, I think his ceiling, I've, I'm not the first person to, to cite this as a potential ceiling, but if he does kill it in a, has athletic testing, I think Des Bryant makes sense as a comparison. He has that kind of, you know, that kind of violence when the ball is in the air, and he, he shows a lot of burst after the catch to pull away yes. from a defense as well as the physicality to break whatever initial tackle is made on him. Mm -hmm. So um, I think he could be really a killer in the NFL. Um for me, like his his more realistic comp is probably like Jordy Nelson, still awesome player and the number one receiver for me. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a uh, you know there, there's a, there's there's things to be gained and lost depending on his athletic testing. And unfortunately, we won't have any closure on that this weekend. Uh, we should have quite a bit of new information on Ross, who um, even like everybody's looking forward to his forty. Yes, uh, he's been rumored at four to five for a number of years now. Um, what are the sports insight has them at? They have them at the over under for four three one. Um, so that's uh, that's that's still blistering fast. Like he, there's a there's a 
pretty strong chance, like no worse. Was than that a... the fastest one last year? Was Keith Marshall's that, or was his um, like like high four twos? Oh, I think Keith was like four three one, something like that, okay. which I still don't understand. Um, even when Where'd he was healthy, I was like, I was like, oh, that's like a four four five guy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, Ross should kill that. He should crush it, as well as everything else that he does. He should have like a Brandon Cooks type combine. Um, but the bigger issue is his medicals because he had. Both meniscuses torn, his left and right knee. Um, one of the two knees, I can't remember which, he tore his ACL in. Right, uh, one of the twenty fifteen. Right, one of the one of the meniscus tears uh, necessitated a microfracture surgery. But again, it seems more like the newer proactive microfracture rather than like the old one where it's like your knee doesn't work and now we're trying to let you be able to walk again. Right now, it's like they're doing it preventively to like stave off the deterioration of cartilage or whatever. Um, so he's, he's, he basically seems to have a microfracture more in the vein of Marcus Colston and Travis Kelsey, who have, who basically have not been limited, um, since theirs. So it looks like that should be fine, but he also has a, a shoulder injury that will require surgery. So his medicals might catch some red flags. Yes. And if he sinks in the draft, that's why the, the, the 40 is not going to have anything to do with it, but there's a lot at stake for him. And if he starts to, you know. I think the chances of him getting like Jay Ajayi are not pretty particularly good because Ajayi was like a third round kind of guy at a, at a super uh, plentiful position, whereas like Ross is unique. Like there are exactly. not many of him, so teams are going to be willing to invest in him despite red flags. It's just like it is possible that he gets knocked to like the forty fifth pick or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then who's your third? Uh, well, right now I got Juju there. Um, Mike Williams, I'm lower on than most people, and I, I have him at four, but. It's like I, I have because I you know have to follow this stuff so closely. It's like my my memory of these guys goes back a little further than the general public. And I remember going into this year and how you know the year before this even people were like, man, Juju's going to be like awesome top five pick or something. And I generally still am very high on him. And and I was high on Mike Williams back a couple t- years ago too. It's not like he was a one year wonder. Exactly. Um, Mike Williams was reportedly you know doing really well even as a true freshman at, at Clemson practices back when they had, like, I don't know, like maybe it was, like, Hopkins and Humphreys and Martavis Bryant and Jerron Brown and all those guys. He was still standing out it's right. with uh, it's around all these other older NFL talents. So he's he's got a very high floor. I'm not worried about that. Um, I think, like, worst-case scenario for him is, like, a Funchess kind of profile. But I do expect him to turn out better than that. I'm just – I'm not – I'm not optimistic of him being like a top 10 pick like a lot of people are is, is all. So Juju uh, is, is a similar player, like big body, not quite as big, not as not as big of a wingspan as Mike Williams. But uh, I, th- I think he just might test better than we're expecting, especially with like the broad jump uh, vertical things that I care about uh, just as much as the, the 40 where I think he'll match Williams. And, th- and what's interesting about Juju is he's, he's just so young. Like he had a he had like a 1400 yard season in the pack. 12 i'm trying to bring up his uh birthday but i think he was i think he was like just 18 at the time or at worst 19 because mm-hmm. he was he was like 17 as a true freshman so um so that's 2015 that's that was his production yeah I, i'm trying to rem- yeah that would that would have been Sophomore the 1400 yard yeah so wow. um and with cody kessler yeah like juju is still is only he just recently turned 20 um, okay, he, that's something. Yeah, so it's like you could probably project a little bit of athletic growth with him too, as young as he is. So I have him about even w- with Mike Williams, and I, I, I leave open the possibility that they actually get drafted 
to closer together than a lot of people are expecting. Uh, maybe the biggest wild card is Curtis Samuel, who I have at five. And I, th- I can easily imagine him going in like the top 20 picks because he should torch this combine. Absolutely. And you've, se- you've seen a lot of him watching the Big Ten closely. Exactly, yeah. I mean, he's so he's so versatile, you know, either as a pass catcher or, or as a runner. You know, he's averaging probably seven yards a carry whenever they're giving the ball that way this year. And, you know, he, he was – Always, always the best or more sh- sure-handed pass catcher that Ohio State had this year. Even with Barrett's sort of accuracy issues, you know he was so natural as a wide receiver too. So I think he, he profiles well either way. But I think it'd be best if we if we, he can find an offense that is creative enough to use him in a way similar that Urban Meyer did at Ohio State to just you know get him the t- get him the ball as much as possible. Because I mean that guy is absolutely blazing fast. I would imagine he he might have a top five forty time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess I should mention. Um, well, this, this will come back in a second, actually. But uh, sticking with Samuel for now, it's it's also worth mentioning that he actually started a game at running back over Ezekiel Elliott two years ago. It was partially like discipline related. Like Meyer was just uh, irritated with Elliott in practice or something like that. But mm-hmm. Samuel started ahead of him against Illinois, uh, and it was a laugher by halftime. So he only he only had like eight carries for the like, first time I saw Cardale. I think I remember that game. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. So that was. That that wasn't like entirely on merit that he started ahead of him, but like that it was even a cl- close. That that Meyer was like, yeah, this in conference game, let's just put Samuel in over it, that scrub Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> it's like Samuel must be pretty good. Yeah, he, he's uh, and yeah, he's got the diverse skill set. I think the way Tyreek Hill played last year is going to make uh, Samuel a, a trendy skill set. So I, th- if I had to call it right now, I would say he's a first round pick in the three round mock I'm working on. I actually like the idea of him going to Tampa Bay um, in the first round. So that's that's something to watch for. After that, like I, I love this receiver class, by the way. Yes. Um. After after those five, I, I think these three guys are all in a similar category for me: Taewon Taylor, Carlos Henderson, Shelton Gibson. Um. I'll I'll say I'll say Chris Godwin too in terms of prospect grade, not in terms of aesthetic. Like those three guys initially named Taylor, Henderson, Gibson. They're some of the most interesting big play guys that I can remember researching in the in the recent years. Uh, Taewon. Uh, killer production at Western Kentucky, even while dealing with terrible quarterbacks. I, th- I think his floor is a Stefan Diggs type. Um, but what's interesting is his ceiling might be pretty high if, if Bruce Feldman's sources are good because um, Bruce Feldman, and he, he had that initial uh, like November article about the freaks of college football. Yeah. He posted like an amended version of that article a couple days ago, maybe yesterday, uh, where he basically reiterated like, Taylor is still on the freak list for the combine. I think he, he ranked him like second among the freaks. And the numbers cited by Feldman are a 4-3-3, 40-yard dash, 137-inch broad jump, which is like approaching like Byron Jones territory, Jeez. and uh, like a 40-inch vertical. If Taylor does even like a 4-4-5 40, a 125-inch, one foot less than Feldman cited for the broad jump, uh, if he does like a thirty-seven inch vertical, that still makes him a second round pick for me. So if he if he does like four three five and like one hundred and thirty inch broad jump and a forty inch vertical, it's like that's a top forty pick for me. Yeah, and you, I mean, you know, that's yeah, that athleticism, you know, backs up you know what you see on tape, which is yeah. a dominant, dominant receiver, a guy that's just like so smooth, you know, uh, either you know getting straight down the field or he 
he was okay with going across the middle too, or, or you know, Western Kentucky just kind of running the up tempo, just throw him a bubble screen. Like he would always make that first guy miss too. Yeah. So I mean, that just that that sort of athleticism, those sort of testing numbers that you bring up would just back up that it, it's not just a function of him just beating up on Conference USC or USA, uh, you know, competition. It's like he's he, he could have done he could have you know victimized almost anybody. Oh yeah. Also worth mentioning. Um, I mean, granted, garbage time had a lot to do with this, but. Most people can't even in garbage time do anything against the Alabama secondary. And Taewon this year caught nine passes for 121 yards against them, as, as he was the main reason they covered that spread and that stupid last second touchdown that ruined my life. <laughs> Saban was so upset about it, too. He must add something on it. <sighs> Not as upset as me. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Taewon, uh, uh, Carlos Henderson, he, he has just. Uh, I so, love Carlos yeah, some some of the most insane production I've ever observed in college football. Like he's he's close to like Troy Edwards level of Louisiana Tech crazy output. But like what was amazing about Henderson is how much he put together in a short span of time. Like he had a month where he must have gotten close to like a thousand yards receiving. Right. Yeah, so like he had he had 232 yards and three touchdowns against Western Kentucky one week. The next against UMass, he has 326 yards Ooh. and five touchdowns. <laughs> Uh, he's also a killer kick returner. Um, people are saying he's like a one-year wonder, and that's just no, wrong. That's not true. He was really good in 2015, too, and he was on the radar the year before that. Um, he's just so elusive with the ball. He kills teams deep. Um, the production is just it, – it doesn't – you don't find this. Like, this doesn't exist anywhere, really. So, for that reason alone, I think his floor is pretty high. And my, my initial combine uh, comparison for him was T.Y. Hilton, but I think he's he's bigger than that by, like, 10 pounds or something. Um, Fusu actually I had mentioned one that's a bit hyperbolic, but I'll let you go first. Yeah, Fusu mentioned one that I think is a bit more realistic, and that's Golden Tate. Um, I think that's a pretty reasonable floor for Henderson, but I'm hopeful for even more. Uh, I kind of, you know, I was watching more of him uh, last night, and he kind of has like some Steve Smith to him, where like oh, the, yeah, fir- yeah. the first guy, like you know, a lot of times he just he he's a violent ball. runner. Exactly, that's the thing. Like, like he that kicks first- the ground when he walks when he when he runs on it. Like, that first guy that comes up to meet him, like he's he wants to like just run him over, or, or you know, he's going to embarrass him with the juke. But you know, he can do he can do either of those very well. You know, uh, you know, as long as it's not like a, a linebacker bearing down on him, like he's probably going to make that first guy, or like you know, uh, he can run over almost any of those secondary players, even though he's you know shorter than than six foot and less right. than two hundred pounds. But he's he's got that mean spirit to him and in, in addition to like really silky smooth routes and like awesome hands it seemed it felt like you know his hands were some of the best that I watched while you're kind of looking at uh, the receivers from this class he, he can have some focus drops but in terms of like yeah like body control and like r- applicable hands and by that I mean like being able to not only catch the ball but do something with it after the catch like immediately those are things that he, he really stands out with and yeah I like I like Steve Smith too it's that's that's a that's a good one. It's he might be like a little bigger, a little less athletic, but uh, the general aesthetic is definitely there. The skill set is there because like Steve Smith, he's a killer kick returner. So uh, yeah, I think Carlos is a second round pick, um, assuming he doesn't test disappointingly at, at the combine. I, I want to uh, take a quick intermission to make a retraction here. Donnell Pumphrey, uh, he checked in at 176 today. Okay. So yeah, that's that changes things because if he can at 176 still you know run in the four four range put together great agility drills and he still needs to do that like if he if he runs like a four five at 176 i'm off again sure um but if he does like a four four five it's like i I can i can keep i can keep watching um but yeah anyway so that's uh that's like that's that's a nice 10 pounds more than i was expecting 
roughly. So it's encouraging. We'll see. Still want to get over 185, but uh, he's still like a outside the top 20 for me at running back. Sure. Um, but going back to uh, receiver here, uh, Shelton Gibson. He was one of the Sports Insights top five favorites to post uh, the fastest forty at the combine this year, and if that's the case, if that's if that's a sound projection, I don't understand how he goes outside of the second round because he, that's like that makes him at the very least like a Will Fuller type athlete with better hands, yes. similar production, worse uh, quarterback. Yeah, like people people looked at a you know his production twenty plus yards per catch the last two years and, and assumed like he just makes a living downfield and like he's very good at that true but Skylar Howard can't throw the ball there he did a lot after the catch yeah. too so he's he's not one dimensional it's like he, he might not be a red zone target he's pretty slight he's not tall but he's going to be lethal after the catch and down the field so he's I think he's a second round pick yeah what he reminded me of when I when I was watching his film was a couple of other you know Big Twelve receivers from last year in terms of when the when the ball's in their hands, they, they just make plays. I thought Sterling Shepard came to mind for that sort of shake uh, to get away. But I still felt like at Oklahoma, when you watch his tape from there, it looks very similar to what the the kind of things that Gibson was able to do. You know, he catches a ball 15 and 20 yards downfield in stride, and then you got a corner and a safety, you know, bearing down on him, and he's able to split them with his speed. He's just a menace with the ball in his hands. So that that's really kind of what stands out to me uh, when we're talking about Gibson. And for what it's worth, at the moment, I'm actually leaning toward having a higher grade on Gibson. Like if he if he really runs like a four three five or something like that, I'm probably going to rate him higher than I did Shepard a year ago. So and I, and I liked Shepard quite a bit to sure. be clear. So I just I just like this receiver class so much, and it's it's weird because I look at some mainstream sites, and I the guys that I like the most aren't getting talked about. It's like instead of Taewon, Carlos Henderson, Shel. Elton Gibson, Chris Godwin, people are talking about like Cooper Cup and Zay Jones, who are like six spots back in the rankings for me. Mm-hmm. We'll get to those guys quick in a second, but for num- for me, number nine is Chris Godwin, who I would not rule a first round uh, ceiling out for because he was just awesome skill set wise, like yeah. ripping the ball out of the air, just running routes. He he's he doesn't look fast, but he shows just enough on tape of as far as like when he plants his foot to cut the kind of the functional athleticism that you see there like he might not run fast in a straight line but running an out route he probably runs faster than all but a few people because he just cuts that so well yeah uh, when the ball's in the air it's his um really great acrobatic skills so i think if he tests well he's going to be locked in the second round for me i guess if i had to bet i would say he falls to the third but that's not i think that's a misevaluation if he does he, he's very productive and he has great uh production at Penn State, despite playing two of his three years with Christian Hackenberg, who uh, should be jailed. Yes. And um, anyway, so Godwin's in, in that next like second solid tier for me. After that, it's it's a bunch of guys who I think have it's mostly limited ceilings. There's a couple low floors, but this next third tier for me is guys like Isaiah Ford. Josh Malone, Josh Malone being a a low floor guy, not a low ceiling. He actually has a high ceiling, and for that reason, stands out in this range to me. He's like 6'3", 200. Blue chip recruit who did really well in early Tennessee practices and at a young age, too. He's 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 probably like six months older than Juju or something like that. Godwin, also young, I should mention. Do you Um, think that Godwin is what we want Isaiah where what people kind of make Isaiah Ford out to be because I, I don't know what people think Ford is like I've seen people refer to him as like tall and he doesn't like, look he's what six one six one and a half something like yeah that. he's he's like he's he's thin he's not tall he, he looks he looks like he's lanky but he's it's lack of density has a lot to do with that and I think yeah. he's a good player 
But I think he's more like a third, fourth round pick who I think has a career similar to like Nate Washington or something. Fewer team changes, <laughs> but like, but basically, like he ends his career with like four seasons of right around like a thousand to eleven hundred yards and like six touchdowns, and he, he he maybe is like a Pro Bowl replacement a couple times, and that's great. But uh, I would I would be surprised if his ceiling was much higher than that of like a Marvin Jones. Yeah, I think what what bugged me a lot were some of his his drops and sort of how when the ball was up in the air, like you said with Chris Godwin, something that sticks out when you watch Chris Godwin is that if it's a 50-50, it's probably his. Yeah. And, and whereas with Jones, uh, especially watching the pit game, because he had great numbers in that pit game, high volume, but you still felt like several times, you know, uh, Evans would put the ball on him and the cornerback would come up, you know, contest it, and, you know, Ford was just not coming down with it almost any of those times. Right, so he he needs to test pretty well, because I would be surprised if he weighs in, like, near the 200 range. I'm expecting him to be, like, 6'1", 190, 195, or mm-hmm. something, and when you're, when you're that, when you don't have a frame bigger than that, and when at whatever frame he has, you have a lack of density like that, you better have some above-average athleticism to to make up for that deficiency, and I think there might be a couple more deficiencies in his prospect profile. His production is very, very good, and he's also young, so he, he gets bonus points for that. But I see him more as like a third to fourth round guy. Um, I, like I was talking about Malone, I, th- I think he's got quite a bit of upside. A lot of people are talking about him as like a fifth to undrafted guy. I think that's off. Um, our Darius Stewart is interesting. He's, he says he got a second round grade from the NFL draft like Wowzers. advisory thing which surprises me because um no I mean, one talks he, about him on draft twitter not really it's like but apparently this might be a case where the NFL holds him in a higher regard than the general public and there he does have his advocates certainly it's just like I look at Malone and I'm like I, I just think Malone's better and I think Malone has better upside like Stewart it's gonna be like 6'1 205 or something I guess he might test better than I'm expecting, and if he does, then I'll have to readjust my rankings because as, at the moment, I'm presupposing that he's going to be like marginally better than average as an athlete, and his production was only average, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he's he's good, I, but I see him as like a high-floor guy that I'm not expecting to possess the rare traits in any particular regard that I think it normally is required to become like a, a star fantasy or real life. So I'm not that high on him, but he has his dynasty floor at the very least because it, if if the NFL draft advisory board or whatever is correct, then he will play. Like we know Ardarius Stewart will play, whereas a guy like Malone, for all I know, he falls to the fifth or sixth round and doesn't play ticket. for two or three years or something. So Ardarius Stewart has that on him. There's no doubt about that. And similar case for Cooper Cup, who seems like he's going to go in the second or third round. To me, he's like Tyler Boyd, best case scenario, and it's it's because he had he had truly you know insane production at Eastern Washington, uh, both in terms of volume and sh- production share uh, market shares, but he's like twenty four. I saw someone tweet. I I apologize. I can't remember who it was. Was pointed out that he's actually older than Allen Robinson. Oh my god. So gosh. yeah, stuff like that implies a, a low ceiling. He might have a high floor, but it's a low ceiling. Um, for me, Cooper Cup, Zay Jones. Um, Chad Hansen are all pretty much the same guy. Even, I like, even like Chad Hansen, I'll go to yeah. I mean, I, th- in a second. <laughs> I think they're all. I think they're all fine. I mean, like I, I think all three of them could get into the the draft second day, and I doubt any of them fall past the. F- Maybe Hansen falls past the fourth, but I, I would be. I, I, guess. I don't think he should honestly. Like I watched him, and I was not expecting a whole lot, but I, I was actually very impressed. You know, he's you listed at like six two two oh five, so you know, pretty good size there. 
really good hands. Uh, you know, his route tree, a lot of bubble screens, but you know, he made made plays despite, you know, you know, I think, you know, sort of a knock on him, maybe he's not super athletic for, you know, whatever reason you might perceive that. But um he no, he he was able to, you know, run run around people and uh he definitely doesn't avoid contact. He can run through people a little bit. Uh he caught like sixty three percent of his targets and that's you know it's such a high target volume. So not a great catch rate, but it was pretty solid. Um and I thought he had a pretty decent ability to separate in high point the ball right uh, on he's got fast too. feet at the very least yeah. he's, he's good at uh his short area balance and and burst is very good so he should be a very good like slant and out route runner at the very least so i think he has a place in the nfl it's like the question is will he have the athletic profile necessary to project better than like a slot guy sure. like if if he if he runs uh like a i don't know better than a four five five i'll 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 leave the and he does it at like 200 or more. I'll leave open the door of him being an outside guy, but basically pending that outcome, he's kind of at risk of having like a Jared Aberderis kind of athletic profile. And that goes for Cup 2 and Jones, um basically where it's like you're not heavy and you're not tall. You're you're just kind of like very bland uh, size-wise and then you supplement it with a bland athletic profile or like numbers that at a glance are above average but not when you adjust for size. Sure. So I kind of want to see how that turns out. Um but yeah, all th- all three of them I think are rounds two to four kind of guys. And Hanson, I-, I have no read on his athleticism, but apparently he had some kind of like track uh, role at Idaho State. Idaho or, State, yeah. Yeah, um, didn't apparently at Cal. I don't know if there's any meaning in that. Um, but yeah, w- watching those guys certainly um, as as I as I talk now i'm figuring they're high floor low ceiling but that could change depending on how they test. Um, otherwise, guys I'm watching are like Travis Rudolph, Josh Reynolds. Malachi Dupre, um, th- those guys are kind of, especially Reynolds and Dupre, they're taller, uh, skinnier. Uh, Rudolph's skinny too, but he, he keep more, he, he's he kind of... It's more of a burner. Yeah, he's, he's not as much of like a jump ball specific kind of guy. Like you can imagine him being doing a lot of work between the 20s, whereas like with Reynolds and Dupre, I wouldn't be surprised if their upside scenario was like a TJ Hushman Zada kind of thing or something like that. Yeah. Um, I'm skeptical of Dupre. He's he's a freak athlete, high jump guy, um, r- really athletic in that regard, but skinny, not particularly productive. He did have that... his play speed either. Yeah, his play speed is not that great. Um, it's almost like he's just uh, like skinny... David Njoku or something like that. And he jogs off the line, it seems like, too. Like, it just, like, doesn't sometimes, get into it. Sometimes that stuff can basically be, like, an optical illusion of their lankiness, and that's why the combine really matters a lot. Like, if he runs, like, a 4-5-4 four, four at 195 pounds, it's like, okay, this guy's a fraud. Mm-hmm. Like, he, ne- he needs to be fast and not just be able to jump really high because, like, you don't run your routes by jumping, you know? So, exactly. Um, I'm skeptical of him. He's perceived as a high upside guy because of his five-star recruiting status. I'm skeptical of that, but we'll see. I'd rather have Josh Reynolds in the meantime. I'd rather have Zamora than, um, than Dupree, personally, probably. Rather have who? I'd rather have Ishmael Zamora than Dupree personally oh yeah that's a tough one and in like Mixon it's like you don't even know how much of his prospect profile to put in play because you don't know about the employability variable (laughs) that whole thing yeah but Zamora it should be noted is not just like an above average athlete there's reason to think he is like truly a star he's not going to be at the combine obviously like Mixon but take a look at his Oklahoma State tape and you know you'll be his tape stands out and like we were talking about the Seth Russell Katie Cannon 40 times um, I want to say uh, Zamora's was like .01 or .02 40-yard dash was slower than Cannon's at 35 heavier. 
and and you know several inches taller too you know and right yeah yeah and he also had he had guy. crazy uh, vertical and broad jumps sighted so uh, Zamora not going to be at the combine but his pro day could change things for people um, otherwise Katie Cannon's ahead of of him in the rankings for me because of that employability variable it's I'm worried about Zamora just never playing it down in the NFL because of that. You know, yeah. that the animal abuse it's issue. Not good. Right. So Cannon at 17 is kind of in the same boat as Ford for me. It's like small guys who are, are not um, obviously like Cannon's fast, but if he only ran a 446 at 180 pounds, that's probably translating to a 45 at the combine. At 180 pounds, that's just not good enough. Like he needs to be 195 if he's running that. So mm-hmm. I'm concerned about that, but the production is there, and he, he was very productive from a young age. So he's got a chance to help himself. Uh, Speedy Noyle. Is at the combine. He basically skipped college. Yeah, he just, just five star out of high he, school. He, that's all we know. Five star out of high school, suspended for three years, goes pro. Um, and <laughs> he chill. and if he has been working, if he's if he's really been focusing on, on his training, he could kill it at the combine. Like he was given like Odell Beckham numbers coming out of high school and was like basically considered the best athlete, raw athlete in the country in his recruiting class. So. Jeez. He could kill it at the combine, but it's also like he could pull a Vontae's perfect, and it's just like, oh, this guy's just been <laughs> this guy's been eating Cheetos and gaming for the last three <laughs> years. Um, so we'll see. Other guys at the combine who I'm keeping an eye on uh, as, as later round types, uh, two slot type receivers in Fred Ross and Trent Taylor. Trent Taylor is very small, but he looks like he might be pretty fast, pretty quick. We'll see about that. Uh, Stacy Coley at, from Miami has has pedigree like he he's i can't remember what it was but his dad or somebody was either an nfl player or some kind of other high profile athlete and coley was very productive early in his miami career he looks very fast but has character issues and doesn't seem to have much of a motor or work ethic so we'll see about that uh jalen robinette amba at a tau two guys who can make a case as you know deep route guys if they get gosh robinette man like i wanted him to be good and i watched and it was like I mean, all he did was just run, you know, a vert. Oh, yeah. Like, that's fine. And, you know, like, you know, I, I'm not knocking him too hard for that because that's just what Air Force did. I mean, right. he's was, he was the only player on that team with more than 10 catches this season. So, I mean, that, that kind of tells you right. just how much they were throwing the ball and where they were throwing it. Um, but, geez, it just looked like, you know, the ball went through his hands almost more often than not. Oh, okay. Even, even when he wasn't, you know, all the way downfield. So, yeah, and it, it looked like his tracking skills were a little bit poor. So, I was, I was really excited to watch him out because I loved his production and all that and his market share but after watching him I'm a little bit off of him even though he's he's intriguing I think he'll probably have the biggest hands amongst the receivers oh, really? at this I think he did at the at the senior bowl okay um, I didn't so know that. um you know he's got the intriguing traits but uh, you know being a guy that's 6'4 and well over 200 pounds but it seems like he's extremely raw as a football player fair enough uh otherwise I guess there's two slot guys to keep an eye on in Artavis Scott from Clemson and Ryan Switzer from North Carolina I like Switzer's tape a lot he's great open field runner but it's like he doesn't seem fast and if he at like 180 pounds runs only like a four five five i get concerned about his wide receiver projection like i might have to limit him as just like a punt returning prospect but Mm -hmm. he has the running skills certainly with the ball and it's like if if cole beasley can make it in the nfl then then switzer's got a chance to i I would say like he has his floor is like uh, Cole Beasley, Eli Rogers kind of prospect grade. I think like what stood out to me with Switzer is just that um, 
he seemed like the craftiest of the route runners that, that, I, that I was watching. You know, I watched a bunch of receivers, and it seemed like he had the best knack of, like, getting open immediately in the short area. Okay. And that, that's where he's going to get used, you know. He's only going to be, you know, running upwards of 10 yards down the field probably. But, like, it seemed like he was able to just shake the, the nickel corners or whoever would be on him just really, really quickly. Just he, he knew exactly how to get open, and he snaps his head back to get the ball. Like, he doesn't waste any emotion. So for his lack of athleticism, like, he, he seems like – an intelligent and instinctive enough player to where you know he he's going to be able to make some plays yeah he's if he tests even adequately i mean he all he definitely has like the open field ability accounted for like he's he's borderline elite or elite straight up in that regard so only thing that can really uh hurt him is just like below average athleticism so Mm -hmm. but he'll he'll get drafted and he'll he'll have some amount of time that he sticks in the nfl it's just the question of like will he become a Beasley Rogers type, or will he just be stuck on somebody's bench uh, in, a, in an offense that doesn't use the slot receiver or that kind of slot receiver? Um, so yeah, that's, that's that'll sort itself out with the testing coming up. Uh, I guess we might as well switch to tight end, tie things up for the most part. Uh, real quick interlude before tight end, though. Uh, if if you're looking at this rookie class for MFL ten type purposes, I guess I should mention I've start I've joined three of them. Um, and, and the only rookies to go so far, unsurprisingly, are Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette in my two leagues that I've, or my three leagues. Um, and one, Cook was the fourth pick in the third round, which I, I, it wasn't me who picked him, but I can't argue against it. Like it's, it's, uh, if he goes in the first round, like I'm thinking three Oh four, that's kind of where someone of his talent level could pay off. But it's like, I, I'm I'm probably not going to be picking either of those guys in many of my leagues because um I'm at, at least in Cook's case I I am not fully confident that he doesn't have a timeshare as a rookie so MFL ten is just a one year timeline uh you you need you need to hit this year but it's like last year Ezekiel Elliott was going in the like the late second early third round uh, at this time of the year and if you drafted him in those leagues you had a you know heavy favorite status yeah, as a probably result. got David Johnson in the first round or something and yeah if you yeah, did that you wins. just you, you could have just punt you just take kickers after that or something <laughs> oh wait you don't have kickers in that yeah never mind so uh anyway so otherwise like I'm trying to see if there's any other rookies that have been drafted in these MFL 10s that I'm doing no receivers yet just those two rookie running backs um so yeah that's all I got as far as rookie ADP at the moment but it looks like Fournette and Cook uh, pending whatever combine information we get out of them or, or looking at the early third, late second kind of range. Um, but yeah, going to the tight ends. Um, and, and by the way, I don't, I, as far as MFL tends at receiver right now, I'm, I'm only really bothering with the guys that I'm projecting to go in the top 45 and not until relatively later. Like Corey Davis, I think you can take high Mike Williams, not high, but you know, if you get him as like your wide receiver four or something, that's totally fine. Can I give my Mike Williams spiel? I think I forgot, oh, yeah, I forgot because uh, what I liked about him, what, what, you know, made him the first or, or my wide receiver one, uh, was just, you know, he's, he's, huge yeah he's he's a 6'3 225 guy who's uh I think he's roughly the same size as a guy we'll, we'll get talking to in a little bit here Evan Ingram from Ole Miss you know I think they're literally about the same size but Williams is obviously faster and he's got you know just a massive catch radius uh right. so you know you watch the film Watson could be you know relatively off with his throws and Williams like I know that he can't really separate all that well and that's that that could become even more of an issue at the next level you know as opposed to playing against ACC cornerbacks not that there's any like huge knock on them but um he, he just seems like he has the strongest hands of anyone in this draft they, they seem to be the surest um and you know if he does 
you know, get the ball with like a little bit of space. He's not going to like burn past you, but like he's definitely going to be a punishing type of guy, guy that you're not going to want to bring down. So I just, I really liked, uh, really like that aspect. I don't think he, he's like a hall of fame guy by any means. I, I don't think that this wide receiver class has that sort of really, really top guy, but I really like this sort of middle class in this draft. But as for, as for Williams, I think he's, he's number one for me. I think he'll test reasonably well. And he kind of reminded me of, like a slightly taller Anquan Bolden in the way that he plays the position. Really? Huh. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm actually, like, old enough to remember a lot of Bolden at Florida State, and I, I remember I, I loved him coming he, out of... He reminds me of Ravens Bolden. Oh, okay, because, yeah, I mean, he, uh, Evans is... Or, uh, sorry, uh, Williams is quite a bit bigger. Um, he, he's got, like, a... He looks 6'4", even though he's 6'3". Like, he, I don't know if it's just because his arms are longer than the average person of his of his frame, but he, he like you're saying, his wingspan appears even bigger. And Bolden, for as great as he is, was, he's only, like, 6'1". Six six um, so, so Williams will have a bigger catch radius. I think, I think where, where, they're, where they're after the catch skills with Williams, whereas with Bolden, that was, like, maybe his strongest trait. Like, he was, he was like, a, he was, like, a top 15 running back who you had at receiver okay um but yeah i mean i i, I guess what i th- i feel like the the ideal scenario for for williams is basically like a, a more durable alshon jeffrey or something like that That'd be nice and i'm a little skeptical that he has the the natural athleticism that jeffrey does like we'll see if, he, if, if williams tests better than i'm expecting at the combine i will be forced to reevaluate things and and um at, at that point i could very easily convince myself of, of him being a top 10 pick with a projection even more favorable than Jeffrey. Um, but yeah, for now I'm kind of in that, like, it's like, oh, worst case scenario, Funchess. I'm, I'm kind of, um, and for my comparison, I put Michael Westbrook and that wasn't, that was, that, that was, a, I love that one. Well, it's one of those things where it's like, you use that pro football reference, like season searcher or whatever. It's like six, three, two twenty, And it's like, Got got all these guys who are you know whatever. It was like tos and Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, there's like nope, not that. There's Hall of Famers and terrible ones and like the in between, which is you know what I'm thinking Williams is for the most part right now. Uh, I don't think he's Quincy and Ninwu either. No, no. Um, but yeah, I said Westbrook because Westbrook basically had like two or three seasons that were really good. You know, that's 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 all I'm. That's all I feel fair expecting of of Williams at this point is maybe like one or two Pro Bowl years and a, a bunch of like eight hundred yard ones as a in a, like an eight year career or something like that. Um, but yeah, like he, I mean Westbrook was a top ten pick, I think. So oh, wow. it, it it lines up very very um, uh, vaguely well. But we'll we'll see if 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 Williams kills it at the combine with like a four five flat or better and, and like a thirty eight vertical and a top. 10 broad jump it's like okay well maybe he just maybe he is just jeffrey or something even better than that so i'm more agnostic than i might come across with him it's like i'm just it, a lot of, all of this stuff with everybody pending workout numbers certainly exactly. but uh yeah to tight end this is of course a little bit smaller of a subject than receiver um we've we've got four guys i think um five guys i think who who could plausibly go into the top 45 picks um, OJ Howard and David Njoku are locked into the first round. Yeah, I think possibly both top twenty. Yeah, that makes sense. I haven't been able to fit both of them in my top twenty of the mock that I'm doing, but it's I can see teams trading up. I can see teams who already have an above average starting tight end picking either of them. Um, like Howard is is the plug and play for sure guy. He's 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 been ready for the NFL for a while now. He's stands out as a blocker, but athletically he should be top 10 percentile like he looks fast on tape and the workout numbers he was attributed coming out of high school were really interesting yep so he's he's the kind of guy who could run like a 
you know, four, five, five forty at two hundred and fifty five pounds or something like that, and have have you know, I expect OJ Howard to basically end the combine with a Greg Olson type of profile where he top twenty pick, um, and you know by by his second or third year in the league, he's getting serious Pro Bowl contention. And Njoku is a little different. Like he was listed at two forty five. Um, he's a little more theoretical than Howard. I, I didn't see the blocking on tape, but no. um, he he looked skinnier to me than two forty five. But that could just be because he he just has lanky limbs, yeah, and like all of his weight was in his torso basically. So I, I guess you can imagine him like adding a bit of weight to his arms and legs and getting up to like two fifty five, two sixty, while still possessing like four five speed. Um, he's expected to run in the four five uh, between four five and four six range. And uh, the vertical and broad jump, though, he might set position records for. Because high jump, just about seven feet coming out of high school. I don't know what that correlates to as far as vertical or broad jump. But basically, you can imagine him doing like a 40-inch vertical and, you know, like a 10-foot-plus broad jump in his sleep, basically. Yeah, aside from watching like the Ross 40, like that might be like some of the most anticipated like single drill type of things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it's what the, the way his frame goes, I think determines his exact NFL application. Like when I watched him at Miami, he almost reminded me of Marquez Colston or something. But if he keeps adding to his frame, yeah, he could go from Colston to like she's for all I know, like Kellen Winslow or he, something like that. He certainly could add to it. I think he's he's on the younger end of the spectrum too. I think Oh, uh, he's a redshirt sophomore. I didn't I don't recall his age, but it's like he's not He, he might have gotten to Miami at 18 like oh, yeah. or 18 or 19 so, or he was definitely like an early entrance it wasn't yeah. like he was a red shirt junior yeah. he declared um, so I, I think you know that we could still see, be seeing him become even like more of an ath- of an athletic freak that we already think he is yeah i think he ends up being uh basically a better athletic profile than howard but not by much because howard's actually pretty much a freak himself but exactly. the joker basically just might be like as novel of a tight end athlete as anybody since Vernon Davis, who was a little different. He was a little more dense and a little more pure speed oriented. Whereas uh, Njoku has more of like a vertical element. Um, so yeah, he, lots of fun things to watch with those two. Third guy that I've got in my rankings is Adam Shaheen from Ashland. And I don't know what to make of this exactly. Cause like either. you, you watch insane. this tape and it's like, Okay, yeah, this guy is in the NFL, but like uh, the people who he's playing against are just look like they have no chance in high school. Yeah, it's like he's just he's like that that one kid who's playing rugby at like 115 pounds more than all the other five year olds. <laughs> it was that was basically the Adam Shaheen highlight reel is yeah. like just what are his measurements supposed to be again? Aren't they? Oh, like uh, he's listed as like six five two seventy seven. Oh gosh. <laughs> so um, he didn't look that heavy on tape. No. He, he looked he looked more like six five two sixty and uh it's really hard to get comparisons like rob gronkowski and travis kelsey out of your head when you watch him because it's just uh there's no like like he's he looks lumbering but he's just going too fast like he it just doesn't it doesn't your eyes can't really rationalize what you're seeing (laughs) um and for all i know there is like an optical illusion element in play like maybe he just wasn't as fast and jumping as high and uh exhibiting as much uh you know brute strength as he seemed to be but that would be pretty surprising because the tape just looked ridiculous and it wouldn't be surprising if he checks in at like 270 260 instead of the almost 280 he was listed at does something like a 465 46 flat um with with you know top 20 percentile and agility and jumps um and if he does that i don't see how he falls out of the second round because no matter how raw you think he is 
Um, that's, that's he would so in that rare. he would in that case be able to contribute as a pass catcher immediately. Mm-hmm. Like there's no question. And then with his frame, you would pre you just suppose that he would develop blocking along the way. And in the meantime, it's like yeah, you just get your money worth out of him throwing him the ball. And then we're we're not done with like potential top forty picks at tight end. There's Evan Ingram, like you were talking about before. I've seen people project him as a receiver in some cases, but he's he was like two thirty seven or two thirty five at the Senior Bowl. He's, I would bet he's like two forty for the combine. Okay, so he's got a the Jordan Reed projection is so easy, and mm-hmm. it's it's not it's not a lazy one either. It's like it, everything is so similar. Ingram might be a better pure athlete than Jordan Reed. He's fast, yeah, yeah. He's like like Reed only ran like a four seven two or something at two hundred and thirty pounds. So it's oh, like really? he he he's probably a little more functionally athletic than his testing would have implied. But Ingram, in any case, could outdo him. And as, as slow as his career started production-wise, he was never inefficient. And then when the target volume went up this year, he just killed it. Yes. So I, th- I think Ingram can very easily make a case to go in the top 45. It's just a question of, like, is there not enough tight end demand to fit him in that high? In, a, in another draft, I can imagine him going into the first round without much trouble. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how much, how, much, how much allocation toward tight end are the first 40 picks willing to set aside? Um, that's really the only question for me there. And then the fifth guy for me, Bucky Hodges, is also potentially like a top forty-five pick. Like he's listed at two, uh, he's listed at like two forty-five at six foot seven. Um, I would imagine he checks in at like six six two fifty, basically the same as like OJ Howard or something. Um, he wasn't as polished as a receiver as any of the guys that we've mentioned so far. But uh, in terms of frame and athleticism, he's he's closer to like Najoku than he is like, uh, you know, some, some fourth round type, like, or third or fourth round type. Like, uh, he's, he was credited with a four, four, five forty by 24, seven sports coming out of high school. That was at six, six, two twenty five, not like oh two fifty, And it was probably, you know, fast thumb timer. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any case, Hodges would not surprise anybody if he ran like a four, five, five at 250 pounds. So, and he wasn't, he, he was like, inconsistent compared to guys like Howard, uh, and Njoku as a receiver, but he was still above the average. Exactly. And when his athleticism is way above the average, it's like whatever. Just just deal with his drops, deal with his rough edges. Just you see the upside there. It's not hard to to see it. Okay. Um, and he came out of high school as a quarterback too, so it's not like he's been playing it that much. He's basically been playing tight end for three years. So I think there's plenty of projectable upside with Hodges, but he's he's a little bit. Uh, soured on, I think, but uh, that might just be because people are so spoiled by the likes of Howard and Njoku and Ingram. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, do you have any Jake Butt opinions coming out of uh, the Big Ten? I've got him at six, rounds three to four, and I mean, I, I don't know how to factor in that ACL because I think, I think that he... might have been second too. So that's, that's oh, it is okay. Uh, that's what I've heard. So like, you know, if, if that's not true, I, I apologize. But like, uh, I've heard that's his, his second major knee injury. So that that really. Uh, sort of hurts and obviously the timing of that you know it, it happened new year's eve or the day before new year's eve so that you know it's He's not, not gonna like, be running it's not like, yeah so it's not like he you know tore it week one and you know could potentially be ready for for you know training camp or, or what have you but i would have i probably would have have him in my top five if it, you know with the, without the injuries i mean he was just a, a great just sort of nfl you can just tell he was he was you yeah, he's, a, he's, pro, he's, he's prototypical. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's really not much more you can say. He's just really sure-handed, uh, very willing blocker, uh, just knew, knew where to go, knew, knew how to get open. So uh, I really hope that his knees, you know, end up healing up so he can, you know, 
kind of fulfill what his potential because he he could be an excellent tight end. It's just yeah, you know, you just worry about those knees. Yeah, right now I've still got him projected for rounds three to four. Um, I guess there's some slight chance he might be able to do a pro day thing, but uh, even if he doesn't, I think fourth round is his floor. Um, the guys I got after him: Gerald Everett at seven. Uh, Jordan Leggett at eight. I like Leggett. I would put Leggett ahead of Butt in the projections here if I was confident that the NFL would is is hearing good things about him. But he had like I don't know if it was Dabo or just like people like leaks from within Clemson his first couple of years, basically saying he's a slacker. Hmm. Um, always very naturally talented and interesting. That also as a freshman he was all these glowing reports were coming out about him in practices and he wasn't like a high recruit. Like Mike Williams was a relatively high recruit. Right. Um, he was like a two and a half, three guy. He comes in without all this, you know, recruiting pedigree and still stands out in this Clemson, these Clemson practices with a number of NFL talent on offense and defense alike. So there's a reason to think he's quite good. It's like just what, <clears throat> what is the amount that NFL teams are willing to invest in him? With Everett, uh, I don't know what I think about him. Like, Daniel Jeremiah was hyping him real hard, like, a month ago. A little bit much, I thought. Oh, yeah, he was projecting him in, like, the first round, and it's like, no, that's not going to happen. And then it turns out his hands measured in at, like, eight and a quarter inch, which is, like, I never heard of anything... I think, like, nine was the the smallest I've heard for a tight end before, like, Jason Morrow or something like that. Uh, I think there's actual cause for concern there, and so I think I think like third round is his best case scenario. Fourth round, but again, he does have that like Jordan Reed's kind of aesthetic, and he's he's athletic at the very least. He played at South Alabama after transferring from UAB, after transferring from uh, some JUCO, after initially committing to Bethune Cookman or something like that, and that was after he only played like a year or two of co- of uh, high school football. So he's his pedigree is better than his recruiting pedigree his recruiting background would lead you to think um but i still don't think that he has enough uh i don't think he has enough applicable traits to, to project better than uh third or fourth round and i'm i generally would rather if i'm going to be taking one of these guys in a dynasty scenario i'd rather have Johnu smith from florida international okay. who i think is i might end up ranking him ahead of everett in my personal rankings and he seems Johnu smith seems likely to go like a round or two at least later so we'll see. Other guys, but not only is the top five of this tight end class the strongest I've ever seen, the top ten is also right. Um, five, six to ten. I've, I've, I'm shocked at how good it. Uh, you know, guys like Everett Leggett are for that range. Cole Hikutini from Louisville, I think, could be a starting tight end. Uh, Michael Roberts from Toledo, who has uh, the foot long hands, he's oh, yeah. he's going to be like a red zone <laughs> guy at the very least. He could go in rounds three through five. Uh, Billy Brown from Shepard made some noise in the East-West Shrine game. Uh, and even George Kittle and Jeremy Sprinkle, who were down at 13 and 14 for me, I think they could be starters. Like, Sprinkle's, uh, he should do well with the testing. Pe- uh, Brett Bielema, anyway, has been claiming that he's, like, a way better athlete than Hunter Henry. Um, obviously not as good of a player, and stealing from the, the, the bowl sponsor <laughs> is not going to... Bold move, Cotton. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I mean, just don't get caught, you know? Like, I don't care if you try to get your second bag of swag from the sponsor, but, like, don't get caught. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, George Kittle, um, he he was basically wiped out with injury last year or something, but yeah. um, he's known for his sound blocking, and early in his career he was actually a wide receiver conversion, and he was very fast, granted, like, 30 pounds lighter, but he was very fast for a tight end early in his career, so it's, it'll be interesting to see if he surprises some people. Um, but, yeah, there's just tons of – great tight ends in this class it's really hard to overstate how good it is um but yeah i guess that kind of wraps up everybody that i'm looking at for the combine 
Um, do, you, do you have any general thoughts, John, about anything in particular? I'm just a, I'm really excited to see kind of how these quarterbacks, you know, like how much that this combine is able to impact their stock. And then uh, I'd like to see where, where, uh, where not only where like the like that second tier of tight end sort of uh, starts to gel, you know, like Pastor OJ and in, in Njoku, like you. I'd really like to see uh, who kind of rises to the clear number three uh, from that pack. And then uh, obviously it's a bummer about uh, Corey Davis, but I, I'm really excited uh, to hopefully have some Carlos Henderson blow up this weekend. I think that's what, what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I think we're all hoping for that. Um, otherwise, I guess I'll just say I really hope that uh, Keevan Lucas from Tulsa has some good luck with his medicals and testing and like he suffered that patellar tendon tear uh, over a year ago. And before that, he looked like he was on his way to like a third or fourth he, round projection. Yeah, he was your number one guy uh, for college in, in the 2015 season before that happened. Right. And he, he was, he, he was, was awesome. Pace. He was awesome. Um, and he, that patellar tendon tear though, it might've robbed him of a little bit of athleticism. The odds were against him even doing what he did last year. He exactly. returned, still had a really good year. Just wasn't as good. Like you imagine him being a Bolitnikoff winner if he had been the player he was two years ago. Um, instead of having that injury and he was this year he was reduced to more of like a possession kind of guy um, we'll see how he tests if I, I'm kind of worried he's going to run like a four seven or something like that and get some red flags for his knee but fingers crossed he's uh, he's someone everybody should be rooting for so I, I hope he instead kills it and and you know gets a good mark for his knee um, but yeah for for uh, to be clear, for the dynasty uh, purposes, I'm mostly staying away because we got to see how those variables sort out. Sure. Hoping for the best, though. He's, he's great. He deserves it. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I guess I guess that's all I'm really looking at right now. There will certainly be some surprises that we have not foreseen at all. That'll be all for our Combine Preview podcast episode. We might have a, a post-Combine analysis or some kind of brushing up of our prospect evaluations yep. in any case in the upcoming weeks. Uh, so we'll let you know about that when it comes up. All right, that'll do it for the Rotowire Pre-Combine podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.